So we are in uh, this Easter series, five uh, weeks of teaching leading up to and including the week after Easter. The series is called Come to the Cross. And uh, this morning, uh, we want to look at the presence of the cross. Last week, we looked at the path of the cross in Mark chapter 10, and we looked at how uh, Jesus called us to carry our cross, to pick up our cross and follow him, and we looked at a whole lot of what that meant. This morning, I wanted to be near the cross so that we could reference it because we're talking about the presence of the cross, so uh, hopefully it's a visual that will help this uh, sink in and uh, carry this message a little bit this morning. Uh, Do you remember what it was like um, the first time you went out in public with a mask on? (laughs) We're we're all kind of used to that now. Um, I do remember it being a little bit awkward, uh, you know, thinking, do I look funny? Are people going to be staring at me? Uh, you know, I wear glasses, so dealing with the whole glasses always fogging up and those kinds of things and figuring out which was, you know, uh, the ones that would, would be better that way. And, and now they're everywhere, aren't they? Like, you probably have a favorite one, don't you? <laughs> And if you're anything, you know, you know, it's a, your go-to mask. And if you're anything like me, you probably have an extra one in the car just in case, right? Um, there are certain things that we've just kind of grown accustomed to seeing around us. And we just, you know, don't kind of think twice about it anymore. You go to the store or wherever you go and you put your mask on. And everyone else, hopefully, has one on as well. Uh, I remember the first time we came to Mexico City and, uh, you know... And some people were showing us around a bit, and we saw a dog walker out in the park. You know, one guy with about 12 dogs. And, and I stopped, and I actually took a picture, because that is not something that I had ever seen before. Honestly, I hadn't, you know, and now I hardly notice. Now, it's just what it is. That's how things are. As I have been preparing for and thinking about and getting ready for this series again, Come to the Cross... I have been reflecting upon how the cross has become what I would call a pretty significant, almost a cultural phenomenon in some ways. You, you see them everywhere, don't you? And not just inside of Christians, you know, or Catholic religious circles. A, a ton of people have crosses hanging off chains around their necks. You'll see that all the time. Uh, it would be interesting sometime to do a survey and ask people why they do that, why they, you know, what they believe, why they wear them, and I suspect the answers uh, would be as varied as they are and would be odd. Uh, tattoos, there, there's another super common sighting, if you will, and more often than not you will see them on people that it seems, you know, a bit out of place to say the least, uh, and I'm sure you've seen some things like that. I I really doubt that in the early years of Christianity that this was a reality. Historians and teachers will affirm and confirm that the cross was an abhorrent thing, an object of shame and disgust. We mentioned that a little bit last week. But somehow over the years, that changed in people's attitudes and perspectives did as well, and it became not only a dominant site, you know, in the church, um, and you can argue for the value of that, obviously, but also in society in general, in some sort of, you know, almost superstitious way for people, like amulets, you're familiar with that idea, wearing something to ward off whatever bad luck, or just plain and simply object of, an object of art in some places. So what we have now is that over time, the presence of the cross has become, you know, 
nothing too special really, almost, you know, expected, certainly downplayed to some degree, a long way from its original, you know, origins, if you will. But move the cross into the church, place it inside of its original context, and we are faced with the need to recognize and consider it in a different light. A context that begs and calls for a different discussion than the one in the public arena, although, again, you could argue that that discussion ought to take place as well. Here is the bottom line. Christianity without the cross is just another empty religious system, void of power and any meaning at all, really. One author said this, uh, a Bible without a cross is a Bible without a climax, a Bible without an ending, a Bible without a solution. You could exchange the word Bible there in that quote uh, for the you know, word Christianity. If you wanted Christianity without the cross is, is empty. The scope of the argument would be the same. It would be an over, not, not an overstatement to any degree, I don't think. He goes on to say this. That is why Paul doesn't say, he's speaking about 1 Corinthians chapter 2, which we're going to turn to in a minute. He said, that is why Paul doesn't say he decided to, knowing, uh, that knowing, to know nothing except the incarnation or the resurrection or the ascension of Jesus. But nothing except Jesus and him crucified. That's what he says. Wisdom was found not beyond the cross, not above the cross, not below the cross, but in the cross. Again, he's referencing uh, 1 Corinthians. Let's turn there, and I'm going to read it for it, this passage that I I had uh, suggested you read in preparation for this morning. So this is is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. Paul speaking to the Corinthians. Here we go, these five verses. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you. I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Paul spends a lot of time, and we're going to come back to this in, another, in a week or so, but Paul spends a lot of time in these first two chapters of this letter to the Corinthians church, you know, a culture that was, was full of philosophers and thinkers in and from both the Jewish and Greek cultural perspectives, And he spends a lot of time simplifying and distilling down the central message of the Christian faith. Jesus Christ and him crucified to bring life to those who are dying. Simplifying. As we travel towards Easter, as we we look towards that great morning of celebration and rejoicing in the empty tomb, which is a guarantee that we too who are in Christ will one day rise to be with him in glory. As full of hope, joy, and ultimate fantastic truth that that is, we need to stop for a while in the presence of the cross. Especially when you factor in what we were, you know, we talked about last week in terms of carry our own crosses and follow Jesus. 
I really feel that uh, stopping in uh, and living in its presence a bit more, that we will learn a few things, should learn a few things about, about how it is that we as followers of Jesus are supposed to live. Not just, not just how we are to think, but actually live. And the reason that I make that distinction between, you know, not just thinking, but, but, but actually living differently, is that I think that we have a ten, what we have a tendency to do uh, is what Paul seems to be su- suggesting in these verses that we avoid. He talks about wise and persuasive words. The church is full of, hear me, hear me now, the, the church, the broader church is full of great teachers, persuaders, profound thinkers, authors, and lecturers, many of, of whom I am in, uh, you know, owe a deep debt to, as do all of us. But when reason, thought, ideas, and intellect get in the way of being and becoming, then we have a serious problem. I think that living in the presence of the cross is a bit more, uh, or is one way, excuse me, to, to counteract that tendency. So what do we find here? What do we see? What are the lessons? And I'm going to pull them from this passage a little bit. First of all, we need a model. We find, excuse me, we find a model to follow, a model to follow. Pretty simple here. It's Jesus. That doesn't surprise you too much, I would imagine. And his humble servant attitude, driven by love, motivated by an ultimate desire to do whatever it took to save us. Okay? That's the reality. So how does this translate to and affect how we should live? Paul uses the words, you know, weakness, fear, much trembling. In other words, he came to them not thinking too much of himself, but rather thinking much of the sacrifice of Jesus, the power of God, and the power of the Spirit to do for him what he could not and even should not attempt to do on his own. That's a whole other sermon and lesson on its own. I, I love the fact that in these few short verses here, Paul gets the whole Trinity involved, right? Ultimately, ultimately the cross is, uh, you know, what we would call a, a Trinitarian event, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all involved. God the Father sent the Son to save the world. The Son submitted to the Father's will, and the Spirit applies the work of redemption, the work of the cross, to Jesus' followers, all of us. That is what happened at the cross, and when you and I live in the presence of the cross, we are living in the light of that reality. We see how deeply and dearly loved we are and, and see and understand the Father's heart. The Son's obedience and sacrifice called the submission to the same kind of submission to the Father's will. And we become keenly aware of our ongoing need, we should, of the Spirit to keep on applying the saving work of the cross to our daily lives. Ongoing. You see, the Father's love, the Son's obedience and sacrifices, and the Spirit's work of application, they're all here. The cross is not a one-and-done deal in our lives. We need to live here, think here, be changed here, and keep on being changed here. We are an ongoing work in progress. That is the humble model of Jesus we follow, serving, surrendering, submitting, and recognizing we are still being sanctified daily by the work of the Holy Spirit. Living in the presence of the cross does something else for us as well. Secondly, you know, we hear the message we need to share. I think that sometimes we get so caught up in the complexities of life, the, the challenge you know, of our own world, the existential realities, if you will, like why do we even exist? 
questions of pain and suffering, morality, sexuality, what is good, what is fair, and on and on and down the rabbit hole we can go. Keep you awake at night. Sometimes we just need to sit under, rest in the presence of the simplicity of the message of the cross of Christ. Uh, there is a, a Swiss theologian, he's, he's long passed away uh, last century, but his name is Karl Barth, uh, he's from Sweden, German, German Swiss. Uh, in 1921, he wrote a commentary on the book of Romans that uh, later someone said it was like a bomb dropped in the playground of theology. You know, just a brilliant philosophical mind, complex theories. I've read a fair bit, of, and I, man, you got to read several times to get it, you know? Brilliant, brilliant mind. Uh, in 1961, he came to the States and was lecturing at a, at a major university campus. I think it was University of Chicago or something like that. And was asked to summarize, you know, Karl Barth, the, the book was this thick on Romans. Asked to summarize his theological thought in one sentence. In a, in a question and answer time, he was asked this question. I, I think this story has been sort of fabulized over the years because it's, it's because of its the, the, you know, how profound his answer was, but essentially this is what happened. Uh, someone asked him to summarize his theological thought in, in one phrase sentence, and he paused, and then he said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. <laughs> Karl Barth, you know, the brilliant, you know, mind, intense lecturer, you know, philosophical thinker, theologian, Jesus loves me, this I know. I'm not saying that there aren't or are not difficult things to deal with. Of course there are. But if we just live there, only there, I think it can suck the faith and hope right out of us and, and replace hope and faith with despair and discouragement. Whereas a return to the simple message of the cross, the story that it tells of a God, of who God is and how he loves us, it, it builds, it should build our faith and hope. And that is a message the world needs over and over and over. Sometimes simple is what is needed, but don't be fooled into thinking that it is foolishness, which Paul talks about in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians. No, it is what is needed, required, necessary. And the only thing that can save, really, and we need to remember that for ourselves, remind each other often, and then not keep it to ourselves. It's a message that we need to share. And finally, to wrap this up and to state the obvious, that, that you're going to say this is obvious, but to state the obvious, that in living in the presence of the cross, we experience the means, the means that saves us. I guess in some way this hardly needs to be said, but in actuality, I think it's you know, a much-needed reminder. Let me, let me illustrate this by, by means of a, you know, kind of silly idea. If I told you that I, I would like to take you for ice cream, you know, if that was your favorite thing and you wanted to go for ice cream, whatever kind you wanted, I was paying for it. Maybe, maybe it's dark chocolate, you know, with big chunks of chocolate chips and, you know, great big bowl full. We, we drove there, we asked for two big scoops and I paid the lady, and then we sat down on a park bench on a beautiful sunny day to enjoy this awesome ice cream. And then we spent the next hour just talking about how wonderful the ice cream was without ever taking a spoonful. <laughs> Who would ever do that, right? Who would ever do that? It's a ridiculous thought. 
ice cream is to be eaten and enjoyed and, you know, drip on your shirt. And I know it's a bit of a silly scenario, isn't it? Here's another silly scenario. Living as a follower of Jesus without continually coming back to the cross to confess my sins, engage the love of God, give thanks for Jesus' sacrifice, worship here, be filled up again and again with the knowledge of the simple truth of it and having my life and hope restored in this crazy world we live in. Not doing that would be foolish. It's a crazy, silly scenario. Living in the presence of the cross gives and shows us a humble model to follow. It reminds us of the message we need to share and brings us back again to experience over and over the means that saves us and gives us hope and builds our faith. It's a model, it's a message, and the means. This Easter season, come to the cross and stay there a while. Let's pray.